This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. I hope I find you well. Not too cold, I hope. I also hope that you enjoyed the most recent episode where I spoke with Marco Kunauer about Germany and about Euro 2024. I hope you found some of his input helpful with regards to your own planning for the summer. It's getting ever closer, isn't it? Uh, I noticed that the 16th of January was 150 days to go. There you go. It'll soon come around. Uh, Hopefully, we'll speak once again nearer the time. Coming up on this episode, I'll once again be speaking with an England fan in the latest in the Your England Journey series. If you'd like to get involved and tell us when, and where your England journey began and where it's taken you, drop me a line. Email 3lionspodcast at gmail.com. But before we get to that, let's just catch up on what's been going on since I last spoke to you. The FIFA Awards took place recently, and like the awards given out late last year, uh, Mary Earps won the Best Goalkeeper. Uh, in the women's category. Uh, And Serena Weigman won the best coach. Congratulations to both of them. Although with the greatest of respect to Serena, FIFA, they couldn't really be awarding it to Jorge Vilda following the Spanish mess from last year, could they? As I say, congratulations anyway. But then the following day, it was announced that she had extended her contract as coach of the Lionesses until 2027, which is good news. Uh, That's a World Cup year for the women, so it will be great to see her having another stab at it, hopefully go one step further than last year. If only we knew where it's going to be held, though. In a time where we know where the next two men's finals are going to be played we don't even know where the next women's one will be and it's three years away you still have to ask the question how seriously do FIFA take the women's game but just so you know uh, the location is set to be announced on the 17th of May this year Uh, there are currently three bids on the table Brazil on their own Mexico and the USA have joined forces and the final bid comes as a three-way European bid between Belgium, the Netherlands and Germany. We'll see. But back to those FIFA awards, there was nothing for the England men's side, Uh, although you could say um, Carl Walker, John Stones and Jude Bellingham made it into the World Eleven. And for the women, seven of the lineup featured lionesses Erps, Bronze, Greenwood, Toon, Walsh, James, and Russo. So that's pretty cool. Now, the last episode 
I mentioned the lack of information about the sale of the Belgium tickets. The same day the pod came out, as did the news of the tickets. Coincidence, I'm sure. Uh, The reasoning given, and I quote, the decision to delay ticket sales until late January has been made with fans firmly in mind. We understand what a challenging time of year this can be financially, particularly for our England supporters travel club members who have had to pay for UEFA Euro 2024 tickets in December. We hope a post-January payday sale will alleviate any concerns or worries with fans and ensure everyone has a fair chance of securing a ticket for what is set to be a great encounter at Wembley. Whilst I agree, great stuff, thank you. But why can't that be communicated when the fixtures were announced back on the 6th of November? Anyway, if you want to go, tickets are on sale for Travel Club members as of the 29th of January. General members, uh, ticket period sale is the 2nd of February. And then general sale, 7th of February. Of course, nearer the time I will have a preview episode. There was some sad news recently announced that concerned one of our former managers, Sven Goran Eriksson, England's manager from 2001 to 2006. He announced that he had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and has about a year left to live. Such sad news. I heard a feature on Five Live Radio where someone made the point that when someone passes, they don't get to hear all those nice words and sentiments said about them. In this instance, we've all been quick to remember the good times, and I'm sure he'd have heard the outpouring of love, which will hopefully pick him up and appreciate it. But it's a strange situation to be in, I'm sure. But of course, the first thing the majority of us will think is Munich and that 5-1. But sending lots of love to Sven. Uh, And in due course, I'll cover Sven's time in the England Manager series. But I'm still to do Glenn Hoddle and Kevin Keegan before we get to Sven. Although one thing I can say is the Glenn Hoddle episode is coming very soon. So stay subscribed and you won't miss it. I'm sure you're aware that the January transfer window is currently open. In the past, I've run through the England-related players who have made a move. And I'll do that once again when it closes on Thursday, February the 1st at door slam shut at 11pm. At the time of recording, only two players of note have made a switch with regards to playing for England, with a third seemingly close to doing so. (laughs) Might be a short episode come the time, but I I guess that's to be expected. January isn't usually the, the busier of windows, is it? And what with clubs having to be very wary of how and when they spend, what with FFP, 
I don't know. There's there's still a while to go yet. Also, just just looking into the future a little bit, an episode that I'm considering doing is a light-hearted Valentine's Day episode. Don't roll your eyes at me. Uh, it's it's not going to be a soppy one. More of an excuse to roll out a load of facts and remember some games and players. But if you've got a romantic anecdote that involves either England or the Lionesses, drop me a line. Happy to feature it. Maybe your first date was an England game. Maybe you met at the pub watching England on the telly. Maybe your honeymoon was England away. I don't know. Let me know. Wow, uh, there was a little more there than I expected with regards to news since we last spoke. Uh, A lot can happen in a week, it seems. Okay, let's move on to the main bulk of this episode. It's another in the Your England Journey series. Okay, right, we're back with another in the Your England Journey series. We know there's good times, sad times, fun times, but they are your times. Love this feature. Welcome to the Three Lions podcast, Liverpool and England fan, James Harrison. Hello, James. Hello, Russ. Um, thank you for thank you for allowing me onto your onto your show. Ah, very welcome. You well? Yeah, extremely well. Um, extremely busy. Um, absolutely delighted to have secured um, some fans' first tickets, which was a hell of a journey to get there. But I got there in the end. Ah, you're in with the uh, the thirty euro jobbies. Is that for all of them? I believe so. Um, I, I know. I, I'm I'm hopeful. Should we say, Russ? I know. I'm guaranteed final. I've got all three groups. Um, I think round of sixteen, quarters and semis. I was top seventy percent. But hey, look, I, beggars can't be choosers. I suppose. The great stuff. Well, I mean, the uh, the Euros this year. Yeah, it's something we're all we're all looking forward to. Um, we'll we'll get on to the Euros, no doubt, as the uh, as the pod goes on. Um, but this is your England journey. Um, I always kind of think I, I give people's ages away um, <laughs> when I do this. You, you don't have to tell me, but but take us back to your your earliest England memory. Yeah, n- not a problem. I was born in 1987, so um, yeah, I'm I'm nearly 37 in in February. Um, you know, um, very 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 soon in a matter of weeks. Well, so, happy happy yeah. birthday for then. Well, thank you very much indeed. Um, I was born in uh, I was born in Warsaw in the West Midlands, and then moved down to Somerset when I was about ten years old um, w- with my dad um, to a place called to a place called Froome, uh, where I now okay. live, where Jensen Jensen Button um, famously hails from. And uh, I can always remember my my first England memories was, of course, Euro '96, and, and the reason why I say that because I would have been around around nine at the time um, because there was no World Cup in two thousand in two thousand four in in nineteen ninety four there was there was no World Cup so I, a lot of your other guests come on and and they can say yeah probably about six or seven years old there was a big World Cup well mine was taken away um, probably from a dodgy linesman in Holland so. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, um, you're a 96 and, and actually, believe it or not, I, I do remember, um, Ireland away 
um, which would have been 1995 because I've always grown up with, um, I think it was the riot of Lansdowne Road. Um, So obviously, and you're a 96 and Scotland and Holland, that that was my earliest England memories. Yeah, Ireland away was, yeah. I mean, I guess sort of those, those sort of memories um, sort of, tar sort of england fans don't they i mean that that was one of the uh, i'll say the last real episode like that but i guess there was also euro 2000 um but but yeah i mean i don't don't want to go down a uh, a hooliganism route but yeah let's let's look at um yeah euro 96 i mean i've got fond memories of that as i said before the uh, the scotland game being there um but yeah just just at that time everything came together for for the team for the country and and everyone felt good it was it's amazing how sort of football can do that the national side can do that to people isn't it yeah absolutely no doubt and I, my dad is a, a massive massive figure in my life and he's a huge huge england fan and um we we'd we'd moved down south and it was a time in my life which I'll allude to in a moment anyway but a lot of upheaval when I was when I was young and a lot of people have all got a story to tell and things have happened so I won't bore you with the inner details of it but I I do remember you're a 96 um and and obviously the Scotland game I'll always remember because I remember the tension around the Gary McAllister penalty um into which David Seaman then saves there's the fist pump the ball launches down down the field I think it was I, I want to say it was Steve McManaman or Darren Anderton one of them looped it over the defender comes to Gascoigne left foot over the defender Colin Henry's still probably getting up and and Gascoigne just slams it into that bottom corner um, w- one of the greatest memories and first memories is my dad just going absolutely uh, out of control I, I think is, <laughs> is, all I can, is all I can say and I was you know looking at it and kind of understanding what was going on um, and then obviously Holland, the, the bit I can remember was not so many of the goals, but it, it was that goal. It was no. it was the Gascoigne, Sheringham, Shearer. Um, and from there, it, my, my football love was born. And and from there, to be honest with you, Russ, um, I, I, as I say, my dad went to work uh, up north and I had a lot of upheaval in my life. And I ended up, believe it or not, being, being fostered, which I won't oh. go too much into. And um, basically what, what I developed, I've been taken out of a family setting and what sort of saved me and started to guide my life was football. And, and it wasn't playing football. It was, it was statistical analysis in football. Mm. And, and the reason why I say this is, you know, I, you, you go to someone's house, you, you don't know who they are. They're an elderly couple. And I found myself in a room. Um, with sort of like all white walls. And I think it was a, a copy of Van Gogh's Sunflowers um, on, on the wall. And at the time, I didn't know what it was, but now I do. <laughs> and, and, and all I had was a, a Premier League, Merlin's Premier League, uh, 97 sticker album. And I learned the uh, statistics of how much the grounds can hold, how yeah. much, um, you know, the, the biggest transfers, the, the the players themselves. And it was at that moment, that I started to really learn about the players and learn about football itself. You know, David Beckham at the time, I think Rude Hullet was Chelsea manager, I think, at that sort of time. And my dad then obviously comes back down from North, things get sorted out for me. And um, obviously we qualify in Rome in 98. And uh, from there, my football journey, my life changed really for the better. 
And uh, yeah, what, what happened at Euro 98 was probably when I, I cried for the first time following England and I was, yeah, inconsolable at that tournament, to be fair, mate. Oh, I think we, we've all been there. I mean, I, I remember sort of crying at Italia 90 of, of oh. going out to the um, to the Germans in the semi-final. My parents not having a uh, the slightest of interest in football were like, what is he crying at? What They'd never really sort of seen this in their family before. So, I mean, we've all been there. And then I think fair to say that, what, 1990, 2004, 14 years later, I was doing the same. Uh, this time after a couple of drinks in a pub, though, um, after getting knocked out. It happens to us all, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> getting I emotional. With, with, with like the sticker albums, I thought that they were a big part of my life really growing up. Um, and, and, and I realised that like World Cup 98 in the lead up to it, um, obviously I was in a better place in life, shall we say, and I used all that knowledge to to good effect with the like the sticker albums in the playground and all the stickers. Cause I knew, for instance, if I got like Georgie Hadji in the France 98 Panini sticker album, I knew that was a coveted sticker because I knew through learning about players, you know, in, in some sort of dark times that I could get hold of do, do you know there were kids like that were what what was at the time, you know, 11 12 years old an 11 year old kid didn't really know how good Georgie had you was at the time but I did <laughs> you know and uh, yeah. it was it was good for advantages and I also remember these sticker albums because they were unofficial like you'd look at the England players and they didn't have like umbra on them yes. or anything like that and I used to think what's going on here um and the Sainsbury's coins as well um when you went to Sainsbury's they, they at the time they give out sort of like coins player coins and you could have like Darren Anderton on one and World Cup 98, really, If I remember what Euro 96 was, but I really know what World Cup 98 was because that was the first time I felt football. I felt football properly. Yeah, no, 98 was a, uh, 98 was a good year of sort of if-onlys, wasn't it? Oh. Um, like the, the group stage we, we went through, was it Tunisia in Marseille? Uh, we had... Romania as as well, I think, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, Michael Owen got an yeah, equaliser yeah. against him. He was sliding on the floor, I think it was, just yeah, sweeping. Think, yeah. Uh, and then Colombia. Colombia, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, obviously, then, obviously, um, Argentina. Um, yeah. Yeah, 98 was, I mean, I guess from a youngster's point of view, seeing David Beckham, I mean, we, we all probably have the same, same thought, but from a youngster's point of view, Beckham was was front page everywhere and and the best player in the country to see yeah. what he did i mean how did that affect you like but well playing for england yeah i mean at the time um i was i was just falling in love with liverpool but was probably blissfully unaware of the let's say liverpool united mm. divide um and and everyone at school supported man united but i had the beckham haircut you got to remember at the time I'm about what 11, 12 years old. He's with a Spice Girl at the time. The Spice Girls are huge. Um, so in I don't know pop culture and youth culture, um, back in the day, David Beckham was like the man. You know, he was just and, and at a time before social media too. Top of the Pops was big on as you know on TV. Sky Sports News probably wasn't even a thing then. I don't think it used to be called Sports Center. I believe on on Sky oh, right. Sports and and Beckham would be on that and Match of the Day and. Yeah, I mean, when he got sent off, I, I didn't really, I could not understand the sheer scale and magnitude of how he was treated probably until 
I would say of my teenage years when you see back at the effigies um, with obviously, you know, from that pub sign and we all know what, what, what one talking about. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, it was the treble winning season it went into from there, I believe, I think United went on and, and won the treble from that moment. Um, but actually I remember the all white kit, David Batty missed a penalty, uh, Paul Merson making a, an absolute lung busting last ditch diving tackle um, uh, in England's box to stop Argentina from scoring. Sol Campbell having the goal wrongly ruled out for a foul, I think it was. Uh, and, and I felt every inch of it, like the school, everyone was behind England. The games were on in the middle of the day. You had the roller TV and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And uh, it, it was a big um, tournament for me personally because I loved I was in love with football you know so mm. to, to have it there was just absolutely huge and then obviously from there was was Euro 2000 wasn't it so yeah yeah Euro 2000 do we, do we want to talk about that it's kind of one of those tournaments that just just passes everyone by really in in history it, now doesn't it it was weird it, it was really weird I remember the first match against Portugal I think we went 2-0 up in no time and then um, obviously I think it was Rui Costa and Figo and from there the whole thing all I can remember from that tournament is Phil Neville's face after he's <laughs> given uh, the penalty away against Romania um, and then obviously World Cup 2002 again I was at college at this time you know I was about 14, 15, had a paper round at the time and Beckham and the Metatarsal from, I think it was Dirty Ducher, they called him from Deportivo La Coruña um, when he fouled Beckham in the Champions yeah. League. And and obviously, I think a, a front, the newspapers at the time said, pray for Beckham, I think it was. And uh, I always remember from a football nostalgia perspective, the champagne, the champagne gold boots he sort of had um were absolutely stunning and I, I saved my money from the paper round uh to to try and get them never got them you know oh. Russ. It, it hurts and uh, even to this day I wanted them boots yeah absolutely <laughs> so by this sort of age had you had you seen England in the flesh yeah um that wasn't until 2006 2005 six was my first time um okay. I'd, I'd been to watch Warsaw like Oh, my dad's a massive Warsaw fan and I'd seen Warsaw through like the Ray Graydon years. A lot of people in Block 109 that are Warsaw fans can understand this. Uh, Ray Graydon, when uh, Kevin Keegan was England and Fulham manager, um, and Warsaw got promoted along with uh, Manchester City and Fulham from League One. It was Division Two back then. And mm. uh, when when we got promoted there and I'd been up to Warsaw a lot of the time with my dad, but we'd never been to watch England. My dad tells me that I went to the Bescott once to watch England under 19s and I was like what they what they played at the Bescott he goes yeah the the youth teams used to play at the Bescott a lot and um I think Alan Shearer played but I can't remember it but the first England match I ever had the privilege of going to was at Old Trafford um obviously Wembley is being rebuilt at this time um and we played Northern Ireland at home and I can remember the team it was the golden generation oh yeah um it, it was just you know, you know that with Robinson, Neville, Cole, Ferdinand, you know Terry, Lampard, Gerard, Beckham, Cole, Owen Rooney. You know, it's a yeah. great team, and uh, I remember going to Old Trafford and watching that match. And I, I went a few months later again to watch us beat Poland on an evening match. Um, I think it was maybe two one. I'd like to say Michael Owen and Ledley King played in the holding role, and it it was at these games where I got two autographs, which I have to this day and I, and I treasure one above the other. And it was on an England program at the time. It was the England programs are like a magazine. I remember. Yeah. Um, they were a right pain yeah. to carry around. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, but, but, for, but for someone like myself, with my dad driving me home in the car on the way home, who yeah. loves details and, and statistics and analysis, it was a Bible. It was incredible. So I didn't get to see England often, so I would treasure every bit of literature that I had. So um, the one, one, sub, one uh, autograph I got was uh, Sir Bobby Robson. Um, he was walking into the stadium and he was really... <laughs> He was he was starting to you know it was two thousand and five and he was walking he was a bit grumpy because he was <laughs> surrounded by people and my dad I remember going you've got to get it got to get it and I grabbed the pen um, off of my dad I got the pen and it was a baro and he was trying to write it and I don't know if you've ever had it with a pen and sometimes you have to sort of like lick it with your tongue or whatever to get it to work but I don't think he licked it with his tongue but he kept going with it he going with it and he got it and when I look at the program today I can still see where he sort of scratched it um in and you know it's a bit of scratch and a bit of pen but that physical memory is huge for me Lovely. because as I've got older I realize that how much of an absolute legend this guy was um you know he found you know we found ronaldo you know that's how i see it you know psv in mm. and holland and people didn't really talk a lot about that and um also then i found ian dowie um under <laughs> under one of the stats and uh what struck me about him was uh how big he was that really took me by surprise and i said can i have your autograph and he went yeah sure and just got the pen to work instantly and i was like oh you know and i don't think you're gonna get a more unlikely pair of autographs next to each other on an England programme. Well, yeah, I guess it represented, that was the Northern Ireland one, was it? Yeah, yeah, it was, Represented yeah. both sides there. Absolutely. So that was that was pretty cool. And it's it's in my sort of studio that I've got here where I do my podcast in next to a, a signed uh, Paul Gascoigne uh, bit of memorabilia as well. I love oh, memorabilia. Yeah, yeah no, no, we've all got our, uh, our own yeah. little bits that we... Uh, probably other halves are called toots or something but uh, yeah it, it certainly means a lot to us yeah so England at, at home at, at Old Trafford there did did that sort of ignite sort of your your England your Patriots like side to follow in oh. England then well, England for me was a bit of a of a release because at the time Liverpool um, they did well at the turn of the century by winning the the I, I'd say the different treble um, of you yeah. know the, we we did the different treble and um, it's good all, yeah absolutely and uh, but England for me was the closest you know maybe Stephen Gerrard aside um, was the closest I got to see you know world class bona fide world class players and. Um, you know, to the truth be told, I never really got to see England again for, for years after through, I don't know, as I got a bit older, you know, I, I met my wife and you know, circumstances dictated my ability to attend. However, um, I watched every England match at home without fail. Um, I was a massive, massive England fan. I remember sitting down like it, um, you know, watching Steve McLaren, you know, in that England team when he when he came in and he banished David Beckham and Jermaine Defoe. Um, I think it was a statement more than anything, and uh, he put his faith in Stephen Gerrard and scored against Macedonia at Old Trafford. I think roof of the net, and um, he, he when he was in his hour of need, Steve McLaren, he turned to Beckham and Defoe, and I think it was in that moment that I realised it's not going to happen for him because obviously he would have then lost the faith of the players because you know you can't banish two players and bring them back in your hour of need. And just seeing him stand there with a brolly was the, probably the first time I felt, I'd been upset with England like we all had, but it was probably the first time I felt rage. You know, I, I felt um, 
outraged actually at the fact that that England manager wasn't running up and down the touchline in the pouring rain, going absolutely berserk. Um, and he was just stood there, and I felt like he didn't he didn't care. And if I'm honest with you, from 2008 through to probably I'd say to the end of 2014, I didn't. I've never fallen out of love with England, but I. I watched every game and I watched every tournament and I got my hopes up and I got I got hurt, but I didn't feel. Do you know what I mean? The bond that I had when up to 2006 and then post 2018 is is what. And it takes a lot for me as a football man through and through to admit it. I'd watch the England games, but you know I wasn't I wasn't expecting us to do anything because I thought at that time we were we were poor. If I'm honest, and uh, you're not wrong. You know, and it, it was obviously I love I love my country. I, I did territorial army at the age of sixteen. I represented my I love my country, and uh, but it was difficult to fall in love with you know Capello Ball, should we say? Um, you know, it was it was tough. And, and I've heard on other podcasts when you went all the way down to South Africa, you know, to to watch England and the and the gentleman on the other podcast that was released a few weeks ago, just before Christmas, uh, about he I think he went down to. Bloemfontein or South Africa caught one game and we went out, you know, so um, to spend all that money, I couldn't justify is what I'm trying to say. I couldn't justify spending the money to go down to watch a team that was probably not really going to do anything. Yeah, there's that that disconnect. I, I totally yeah, get I that. It. Yeah, uh, I mean we are we are so fortunate at this moment in time that that there is a connect all the way around um, yeah. with England, be it from from the manager, the players. The, the supporters in the on in the stands, it's it just all clicking, um, and we're, we're just all hopeful that it's going to click in the uh, in the right way at the right time. But take us to take mm. us to Wembley. When was the first time you got to Wembley as to see England, or, or had you been there before? Yeah, I've been there before to to watch club football. So I'd, I'd been there, believe it or not, been from the southwest, um, Yeovil Town, um, got to, got to Wembley, and they played Blackpool in a playoff. And oh, right. I got there and watched that. Um, do you know what? Like the first time I watched England at Wembley, okay, it's going to sound absolutely bonkers now, Russ. And I think the the fan base, you know, for those that know me, are going to go, "Are you serious?" Um, was Andorra at home? after the Euros. Um, that was the first time I'd watched England at Wembley. And I think, um, really? yeah, it was. I i don't know. I had invested a lot in, in other things and I'd, I'd watch every England match. I'd, I'd, I'd sit there at work and I'd say to buddies before 2016, look, we've got to get out there. We've got to go. I, I want to go and watch England. And my mates would go, yeah, 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 we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. But it, it never materialised. It just, it didn't happen. And do you know, Russ, the, the trigger point, the trigger moment came um, I was visiting my nan in Warsaw in the West Midlands. Um, and this was just after the 2020, um, obviously the final when we lost and uh, my heart broken into, I think I, I still think UEFA have got my soul um, after that. And uh, along with your oh, wallet. Oh, I couldn't believe it. And um, I, I literally then was, my dad was driving me back and to the Southwest, there was a massive diversion. Um, and we ended up going through Tewkesbury and um, there was a lot of traffic. And in Tewkesbury, it's kind of, I don't know, oldie worldy. And we had a lot of time on our hands. And I said, I said, we're talking about England, uh, as you do, as a father and son would do. And we're at length about England and where we're going and what do we do now? You know, and I think it's a normal conversation that happens between a lot of fans up and down the country every day. Um, I've been podcasting for a while. And I thought, I said, Dad, you know, should we just do it? 
And he goes, what do you mean? I said, shall we just go? Let's just go to a tournament. What do we need to do to get to a tournament? What What's the process? What's the, you know, the way around it? So I went, I went online, um, much, much like your last podcaster. He, he went online. He found out what he needed to do. And, um, I, we paid, we paid, I uploaded the passport photo, uh, come back as, you know, not recognized, couldn't get the glare off of the passport. <laughs> and absolutely ages like we all do. Um, I fell for the old Facebook trick. Um, when I managed to secure my first England tickets and I went, yay, block 109 on Facebook. I'd never do that now. Um, so I, I put, I put that on there and, uh, I bumped into a man called Kunal. So yeah. And the yeah. rest of the day is history. So, yeah. <laughs> No, that's that's the way we all we all start. It doesn't matter when. Um, that you, some people literally just watch England on the telly for for so long, and and probably the same for their club sides. You get stuck into a a way of, oh, this is this is how I how I support my team, and and I I don't mind. However, people support their team if they want to watch it on the telly, watch it on the telly. But if they want to get to the to the games, get to the games. But sometimes it's like. Well, how do you get to the games? If you don't know, you've, you've got to sort of seek it out. Um, yeah. So yeah, seeking out the um, the supporters club and the travel club is is the way to do it. And I seem to remember you 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 spoke with with the supporters club, didn't you? Um, I did. I think yes. Was that shortly after um, um, joining yeah, probably, up or after probably, a period of time? I think it was probably I joined. I went to Andorra. Ever since the Andorra game, I've been to like every single home game and nearly, you know, as many aways as I could until I got to a caps level where I now can go to all the away. So um, I was probably about yeah about six to eight months in, and I'd seen a lot of rumblings on Facebook with people saying, "Look, this website isn't fit for purpose. What is it that these guys actually do? How do I get caps? When are they going to be added? What extras are they going to give us?" And I thought, well, do you know what? At the time, I started to. Uh, the no doubt we'll touch on, but I started to experiment in writing about football and and putting that you know statistical knowledge and stuff into into good use into an outlet for me personally, and um, I thought I'd contact the FA. I, I contact Richard Weeks and he was fantastic. He said, yeah, in order for me to give a, a full published interview, you're going to need to speak to someone within the FA to get permission. Um, completely understand that. So I wrote, I reached out to the commercial team who were really forthcoming. Um, they rang me back. We liaised. Uh, we, we waited until I think it was, I think it was just after last Christmas. I think it was just after the World Cup. It was agreed before the World Cup and it happened just after the World Cup, because obviously Rich and, and Lewis, who we, we all know now, obviously um, they were busy. Clearly, so <laughs> I, I sent them. I sent them a load of. Uh, I sent them a load of questions and 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 questions that I feel like the fan base needed answering. You know, like what are you going to do about membership cards this time? What are you going to do about playing on the Wembley pitch? Are you going to bring it back? How, when do caps get added? You know, what do we need to do, and what is it that you actually do, or do you need help from us, the fans? Because England fans, I think, are the greatest in the world, and I, I'm gonna and I mean it. If there was a match on the moon, there'd be England fans there. And I, and I, for us to make this work, you know, I thought it was important to to speak to Richard and and to get some real answers. Which, do you know what? I don't think he could have. He, I think he gave me as much as he could. In all fairness to the to the to the gentleman, and I thought he was um, very very kind of him to give me his time. No, they. I've been very fortunate enough as well. They. Um... To, they they will give you your time, but you just gotta appreciate that they mm. they are busy um and they, they've got other things going on, um, I think is is fair to say. And and you can still find that that article, it's on 
uh, TTM Sports, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's on there, and um, you can just yeah, go to ttmsports.co.uk or onto my Twitter or anything like that. You can just get a lot of articles on there. I I write a lot at the moment, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm in the middle, of obviously doing a lot of stuff at the moment. So it's it's all pretty cool. It was it's it's a good one for. I, I really should have. I don't know if we all know Nick, who does a great job on the Facebook uh, on the Facebook site, um, guiding people the right way. It's probably out of out of the realms of that, really, should we say? Yeah. Well, one thing I'd like to uh, to 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 mention or to point out, you say mm. that like as soon as you joined up, um, mm. managed to get to to home and away games, and you're now in a position where, as we said at the beginning, fans first yeah. tickets. It, yeah. It, just goes to show that it can be done. Uh, a yeah. little bit of luck with away games, I guess, and, and the balloting and that side of things. But from the last European tournament um, that was held, or the, obviously the final here, to now be in a position four years later to be going with nigh on maximum caps or, or to the point where you're getting fans first tickets just proves that it can be done um so i take take my hat off to you there what what was your what was the first away game then uh first away game was munich um it was a hurricane equalizer um oh yeah i i couldn't i couldn't get i'm so frustrated now because i would have probably got another two caps if i would have let's say had my eyes open um but uh no i i sat i sat in the uh I sat in the home end with uh, oh, my right. dad and my good mate James. But the first, the first um, ones that I got through the ESTC was the San Siro. Um, mm. I went there to that game and uh, fantastic. And then obviously I went to um, obviously the next away game after that I got was Malta. Um, and after Malta, I then went to uh, Naples or Naples and Malta. I can't remember which way around it was. I went there. Um, and then the, the a really funny, a really cool story was Scotland. Um, so me and my dad had booked flights up to Scotland when the game was announced. Um, he's about four caps behind me. Right. And um, we thought at the time, oh, they're going to give us around five, six thousand. So we're thinking at this point, we're probably around three and a half thousand. So I don't know if anybody else or any of you listeners has done this, but I've counted down the caps table to mathematically find out my, I don't know, in quote unquote position um, gotcha. within the table to try and, you know, work out what the odds are of me getting a decent ticket. So um, we booked our flights and booked the time off of work. And then when the allocation was announced, it dawned on us and thought, yeah, we might miss out here because it's a low allocation. So I, I cancelled. 1900, my- I think, wasn't it? Correct. Um, I, I cancelled my holiday with work. Um, and uh, we, for some reason, we kept the flights. And uh, I, I was on, I was one cap out. I was oh. one cap short. And um, I went onto the waiting list. And and I I got the golden ticket on the waiting list, Russ. Oh. I, I got I got the email. My dad didn't, and I, I felt a bit of guilt. But then I thought to myself, Nah, sod this. I'm going. I am. <laughs> I, I I got on a plane because I said to work, Look, I need I need to retake this time off. But unfortunately, it had been allocated to someone else. He goes, I can only give you the day of the match off, James. But I need you in work tomorrow morning. And I was like, Ah. Oh. I've I've just got like the golden ticket here is really helping my caps level. And I want to see us in Scotland for 150th heritage match. And um, so what I did is I I met someone called uh, Chris Cannon. Um, What a guy, by the way, who I will see in Germany, no doubt. And uh, my plan was 
um, was to leave Broome in Somerset, um, I don't know, 20 minutes away from Bath near Bristol. Um, I went to Bristol Airport. I got a flight at seven o'clock in the morning up to Glasgow. Um, I got into Glasgow really early in the morning. I then went up to Cathkin Park near Hampden, which is an abandoned football stadium yeah. that I'd seen on YouTube. I walked around it. I then obviously I took pictures and since wrote an article, which is going to be published next month, which is cool. Um, I then met obviously Kunal and the guys and we went up to the, the cricket club where the first ever international was played and had a great time where I met my second guest on my podcast, Steve Harrigan, um, where we had some beers and, uh, I then, after the match, I got in, I met Chris Cannon for the first time in the stadium, um, on that back concourse where yeah. it was quite flat there. Um, we walked across the road together into his, uh, van at Asda. Now, bearing in mind, I didn't know who this guy was at the time. So I was taking a <laughs> bit of a leap of faith here. And, um, and this is what England does to you, I think. And, uh, I got in the van and we drove from 11 o'clock at night all the way down from Glasgow and he was going to Plymouth um, and he dropped me off um, outside my house at oh. 10 past seven in the morning. I ran into my house. I got a shower. I got changed. I was out the door at 25 past seven and I was in work at five to eight. Nice. And, uh, and, and that, that for me typifies England in, in a nutshell, you know, it's just, it's crazy. And, and the frightening thing is for us is, I know I've got a lot more of this sort of stuff to come. <laughs> yeah, we, we'd do it all again in a heartbeat, wouldn't we? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah. Well, in the uh, in the time that we've got left, um, yeah, you, you've mentioned the uh, the podcast and and the TTM. Uh, just just give us a little bit more about that, and then let's let's just round it all up by um, just looking yeah, forward sure. to later in the year. Yeah, absolutely. So TTM Sports uh, started off um, in COVID. Um, like a lot of people at the time, um, a lot of people were needed to pass the time. And so I thought I'm going to start up a podcast inspired by Joe Rogan. And it started off first of all about conspiracy theories. And we got a guy on, we got a guy around from Bristol. We can now looking back on it as mental. We, we picked him up. He claimed he'd been abducted by aliens and uh, we, we sat around a table and we, we spoke about it. Obviously now transpired that it was clearly probably not true. But uh, from there, we, we got comfortable podcasting, myself and, and James, who's a, a good mate of mine, who also goes to England Games. And I said, um, do you know what? Let's just talk footy. You know, he's a Tottenham fan, plenty of subject matter there. And uh, and obviously I'm a Liverpool fan, you know, and I, and I thought, let's just talk. And I thought, I'm going to approach people. I'm going to start approaching people. And the journey it took us on, it's unbelievable. Um, we, you know, we got like the, um, the British Virgin Islands technical director on Dan Neville. Um, and from there, we got the Faroe Islands assistant manager, Ellie Heinzer, who's now a friend, um, the Gambia manager, Thomas Sanfier, and that opened up doors. So we then got Kevin Bond onto the show, Harry Redknapp's ex-assistant, um, Peter Drury, um, commentator, Matt Jarvis, former England international, uh, Marcus Stewart, Ipswich striker. And yeah, we did, we're over a hundred and nearly 150 episodes and we got Peter Ridsdale on, uh, to tell the story of just what on earth happened at Leeds United, um, which was really cool, really good interview that we did with Peter. Um, and from there, I, I as I said um, b- before on, on my podcast, I do have an England podcast as well. Of course, it's nowhere near the level and detail and intricacy and delicacy that, that yours offers. However, when I finished listening to yours, I felt that there wasn't anything uh, of real note uh, out there 
you know, and I, I thought, well, do you know what? I'm going to make one. And, and the first guest I got on was, was Peter Shilton, um, who was a, gr- a great guy. And he opened up about his footballing, his footballing life. Um, and obviously with my writing, you know, I, I, I'm also writing a book at the moment and, um, it, it's taken a long time, but I, I never went to university. I never went to higher education. I'm doing it straight out of love uh, for the game and putting together, I think all this skills and knowledge that I've acquired through my life to put it together. And, and it's going to be titled Follow England Away, which I think is perfect. Um, I'm staggered that no one's released that title before. Um, so now that, you know, now I've said it on air, hopefully no one can steal it. Um, so, you know, um, and it's testimonies of England fans, stories following England away from home. And a couple of people just to mention that I've got in the book and they won't mind them being mentioned is, is Mark Griffiths who always tells a great story that you've had on your show before. What an episode that was, by the way. Um, and and also CJ Joyner. Um, yeah. So, that, you know, so I've, I've got a couple at the moment and I'm still still writing it, you know, plan for release. Probably won't make the Euros, if I'm honest. I wanted to, but these things I don't think can be rushed. And I think it, it's, it's, it's a quality thing. And do you know what, Russ? I, I want to do it in life to to basically, you know, show, show, show the hand to the teachers that said you can't achieve nothing instead of being a class clown, you know? Um, and I, I wanted to go out and to show people, do you know what? Yeah, you can. If you, if you put your mind to it, you can interview these people, you can release a podcast, you can raise money for charity. I've got world records now, you know, I've done, I've done all sorts in football, but my family circumstances are to such a good extent now my kids are getting older. I could, I've now got time. And, and that's the that's the key thing, isn't it, is time. Absolutely. Well, having read a lot of uh, England fan written books, I can I can say that they're genuinely the uh, the best written books. So I, uh, I look forward to, uh, yeah. to to hearing about that one as and when it's out. Take your time with it. That's that's the one thing I would say. And, and it will just go from there. Um, yeah. we, we got to round it up quickly by, by talking about later in the year, Germany, Euros, you're going to be there. Likewise, I am. Are yeah. we going to be coming home with it though? Yeah, I made a prediction. Um, I made a prediction after the, the last Euros, um, that I, I said we, we wouldn't win in Qatar. Um, I said we won't win in USA, but I said we'll win in Germany. And we'll be the first nation to retain it in 2028. Um, bold statement. Yes. But actually, when we're looking at this situation, the last golden generation was 2006. Um, I, I had a lot of square pegs in round holes. I think there, world-class players couldn't play together as a team. This is different. Um, we've got bona fide world-class players that can play together. Um, as far as I'm concerned, Gareth Southgate, I, I think we can all be in agreement that this is probably his last tournament for England. And, you know, I, I think what a fitting way to go out if his 100th game in charge is the final in Berlin, I would be made up. I would put an England victory in a tournament up there with getting married and having kids. And I know, I know that sounds a bit like heavy. I can I can almost imagine my wife in my head now looking at me going, you've lost it. But no, <laughs> you know, it's a, it would mean that much. And to see it with my dad um, would, would be absolutely incredible. But also... Yeah, I think we'll do well. And also with the England fans I've met uh, along the way, the guys in Block 109 are just uh, amazing and accepted me um, 
wonderfully in Naples on my own. I, I went on my own and I, I spent time with those guys. I felt safe. I felt like uh, with England, you're never too far away from another fan and we're all like-minded and we're on the same team. So it, it's an absolute privilege to follow this great, great footballing nation and to be English. Absolutely. I don't think I could put it, put it any better. James, thank you very much for your time. Enjoyed that one. Uh, I know you're on Twitter. I think it's Harrison J87, isn't it? Correct. Yeah, absolutely uh, right. TTM Sports, you can Google that. Into the Lion's Den is the podcast as well. And yeah, keep us informed on the book. Indeed. Thank you. Many thanks to James there. James Harrison. His Twitter is HarrisonJ87. That'll take you to all his other football-related content. Uh, Look forward to that book. Hopefully, as and when that hits the shelves, we can speak again. I've always been very interested in fan-written books. As I mentioned previously, if you'd like to share your England journey, anecdotes, stories, memories, email me three lions podcast at gmail.com i'd love to hear them i know listeners do too as it's generally all the things we all relate to so don't be shy get in touch love to hear from you i'll be back with you very soon helping you fight these january blues away Uh, don't forget you can follow the show on social media just search three lions podcast you'll find it there Uh, Also, uh, I know I've mentioned it before, but if you would like to contribute to the running, the hosting of the show, you can do so at ko-fi.com, ko-fi.com forward slash three lions podcast. I'm appreciative of whatever you feel it's worth. Any donations go towards the hosting of the podcast so until the next time take care stay warm cheers Cheers.